You're listening to the Performance Group Podcast, a place to listen, learn, and get to know the unseen heroes of our local community. Welcome to the show. I'm your host, Sean Kirby, and on the Performance Group Podcast, we make it our mission to learn from those around us and shed light on our local community. If you're new to the show, we have spoken to business leaders, community, organizers, friends, and family. And before we jump in today, I hope to ask you for a favor. If you could please just take one second to hit subscribe and share our posts. It would mean a whole lot to me, our team here at the Performance Group, and our amazing guests on today's show. Okay, so... Hello, hello, and welcome to another episode of the Performance Group Podcast. My name is Sean Kirby, and on today's episode, I am welcoming a friend. I call him a friend, a mentor, a good human being, somebody that um, I've talked to many times, but this is actually the first time we've ever met in person. Actually, second time. He doesn't remember the first time. Um, I still have a note or his biography that he was handing out that day that was sitting in my desk waiting for actually exactly this moment. So I remember listening to, and our guest today is Derek Grant. Um, I remember listening to Derek Grant speak at the First Merchants Bank about goals for 2020 or 2019. I'm not 100% sure which year it was, but he came in and he spoke, and that was right on the cusp of the Performance Group podcast, and I thought you know he would be an excellent resource for people, and he has an amazing story. So you know, all that time later, we've now become what I would call friends. You don't have to say it back if you don't want to. Um, thank you for being on the show. Oh, pleasure is all mine, and I absolutely consider you a friend. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Gun, gun to your head. Yeah, forced to say it. <laughs> uh. So, Derek Grant, you are not um, a Pendletonian. I'm not. Uh, still not. Not from here originally. But you have um, a pretty amazing story. Oh. Would you say so? I mean, I don't. A humble I, man says I, no. I don't. I don't think so. I think it's just been. It's a good story. A lot it's of windy roads. Yeah. yeah. And you're one that speaks about windy roads. So I'd quickly touch on your current profession, and then we'll back into the backstory. So I heard you speak before. That was Derek Grant speaks, right? Right. Yeah. So speaking engagements aren't what they used to be. Yeah, 2020 changed things. Um, I, I used to obviously do in-person speaking. Um, then pandemic came and now I'd still do, but a lot of it's via zoom and it's kind of morphed. It's evolved into like personal coaching, whether it's, um, professional or it's life coaching or, um, I guess I've always, I haven't liked throwing around the term coach, but until I find a better word, this is what it is. Yeah. Every coach needs a coach. Yeah. No, you're absolutely right about that. So let's talk about coaching. So your background is basketball. Right. So coach is the right word because that's what you've always been, right? Sure. So let's talk about Derek Grant basketball. So let's back in. So you're actually from Princeton, New Jersey. I have your biography sitting right in front of me, so I could read it for you. But let's kind of talk about that. So you're from Princeton, New Jersey originally. Right. You went to school there, grew up there? Yeah, so I moved around quite a bit. Um, I was actually born in Virginia. I went from Virginia to Maryland, Maryland to Pennsylvania, Pennsylvania to New York, New York to Louisiana, Louisiana to New Jersey. Army brat? No, my father worked for Kraft Foods. So uh, we were about every three years we were moving. And um, we ended up settling in New Jersey. I, I moved there going into my junior year of high school, went to college there, and I was accustomed to moving around a lot, right? And you, you, you start to develop these skills that you don't even realize you're developing, like being able to communicate and being able to make friends easy and or quickly. I shouldn't say easy. But these are all skills that, unbeknownst to me, I was cultivating over all these moves. You know, when you're eight, nine years old and you move, it's the worst thing in the world because you're all your friends or you're leaving them. But now that I'm an adult, I'm like, man, like all those moves served a purpose for me for what I'm doing right now in life. So it was pretty, pretty cool to look back on it. Yeah, absolutely. And your purpose has obviously changed a lot in part of um, your everyday life. So you played basketball at the College of New Jersey. Sure. Yep. Second all-time scoring leader with 1,543 points. Yeah, there was a guy. Ironically enough, his name was Greg Grant, and people thought we were related, but we weren't related. And he was – I think he scored over 2,000 points. And I realized probably about midway through my senior year, I'm like, there's no way I'm going to catch him. So I'll take second. I actually think I'm third now. Oh really? I think I'm third because a teammate of mine came in after a year after me, and he he ended up 
beat me by maybe like 50 points or something like that. But, yeah. So basketball has always been my life. I mean, it's it's funny because my parents never played basketball. Really? Yeah, my dad never. He's five foot seven. I'm 6'2". Like, I'm a giant in my family. What like, happens? You know what? I don't know because my mom's 5'8", which I don't know how he married a taller woman, but he did. Clap but <laughs> Right? But I just, I don't know. I just, my parents, my mom always wanted to get me and my brother involved in experiences that we wouldn't normally do. So one time she was like, we're going to go see the Harlem Globetrotters. I was seven years old. I'm like, the heck are the Globetrotters? I was, I was a soccer player. <laughs> Soccer's easy, right? Just kick the ball, run up and down the field. That's it. Yeah. So they take me to the game. And I fell in love instantly. Like, I remember just cracking up. I remember just sitting there. And we had terrible seats. I mean, we were sitting way. I couldn't even hear the ball bouncing. And I just remember thinking, like, yo, this is awesome. Like, I don't know what this is, but I want to play this. Yeah. And this is when it started. And I just played basketball all going through elementary school, high school, college. And, yeah, that's when it started. And that's the fun way to fall in love with it. Especially from the globe charter standpoint, that's fun basketball. Sure, it's goofy basketball. <laughs> yeah, but I tell people, you know, my mom got to see this. She always says, "She's like, man, show business isn't what it looks like." I'm like, it never is. We always see the surface. That's only ten percent of it. Ninety percent of it is tucked up underneath. And man, it's a grind. It yeah. is a grind, as with anything else, you know. But um, yeah, it was definitely definitely a good time. Yeah, and you can speak to that because you were a Harlem Globe Trotter. Right. Yeah, that was eight How did years. You even get into that gig. You know what? It's it's crazy. I tell people all the time, if somebody would have given me a million different tries to, to guess how I would get there, I would never would have guessed it. And I just came out of college, had a great college career. You know, in my mind, I'm either going overseas, playing in a high division over there, or playing in the NBA. And it didn't work out that way. And here it is. Most guys sign contracts to go play professionally at the latest in September. It was October, and I had nothing. And I'm like, oh, my gosh, what am I going to do? So a buddy of mine, he said, hey, let's go over to Scranton, Pennsylvania, go try out for this ABA team. little weekend league, pay you 100 bucks, pay four times a month. I'm like, okay. So we go over there, and I'm over there killing. I'm like, okay, well, at least I got this. It's better than nothing. And the coach walks up to me. I'm thinking, okay, he's going to start talking about the details and everything. He's like, hey, man, we really love your game, but I'm like, oh, my gosh. He's like, we already have our team picked. We just had to have this tryout here in the community and i'm like you mean tell me i drove two hours for you to tell me this yeah so he goes how about this i have a good friend of mine who's the general manager of a team called the new york nationals i think you'd be a great fit now i didn't know what the new york nationals were so i go home and google new york nationals and i find out that they are the team that play against the harlem globetrotters oh yeah that was my reaction i was like oh so I, I go from second all-time leading scorer, school history, All-American, to now I'm going to lose every single night. <laughs> For the rest of my life. I had a, a, just a huge slice of humble pie with, with, with uh, ice cream on the side, dude. I was like, I initially said no. Too much pride. I'm like, I'm not doing this. Are you kidding me? And I told my dad, he goes, what, when you were 10 years old, what would you write down on a piece of paper you wanted to be? I was like, I want to be a professional basketball player. He goes, okay. So are they going to pay you? I was like, yeah, they'll pay me. I said, are you going to play? He's like, are you going to play basketball? I'm like, yeah. He said, so what else are you looking for? So his point was beggars can't be choosers. And I ended up doing it. And because I played with them, we played against the Globetrotters every single night. So I got to know all the guys on the Globetrotters. Their front office got to see me. And I said, I'll do it one more year. So I was coming back in my second season. And before, the, before it started, the owner of the Globe Charter was like, hey, we saw you play every night. We love you. How about you come try out? I'm like, okay. Ironically enough, this is, I was still living in New Jersey at the time. You'll never guess where they had tryouts. The Harlem Globe Charters, where they had tryouts at. You'll never guess. You'll never guess. So don't even guess. I'm not going to guess. <laughs> Arlington High School in Indianapolis, no I swear to you. <laughs> I tell people now all the time because I – I actually went to Arlington about three years ago to watch Broad Ripple play Arlington. I was like, I've been here. This is wild. And it was the last game because Arlington was shutting down. The school was closing. So it was the last basketball game that would be played in that building. I'm like, this is crazy. This was actually where like my career started. Yeah. Now I'm live now that I live here, it's wild to think that they had it there. Full so, circle. Full circle. Yeah. Yeah. 
That's crazy. Yeah. So you try out, and how's it go? It went well. You know, I, I think back on it, you know, I was this little Division three kid, mm-hmm. right? And here I am trying out with, there's like 20 guys there. It's a three-day camp. And these are guys all I've watched on, like, March Madness the year before, right? University of Oklahoma, University of Tennessee, Memphis, like, big-time Division One players. And I'm like, initially, I had fed into this paradigm that, oh, well, since I was Division Three, I was worse than they are. And I got out there, and I was playing against them. I was like, wow, TV just makes you look better than what you really are, but you aren't any better than me. And um, it's funny. i tell you a story. Not too many people know this because this is – because I knew the guys on the Globetrotters, I was – I guess you can say I was friends with them. Mm-hmm. So there's a guy on the team. His name was uh, Kieran Sweet Pea Shine. That was his nickname, Sweet Pea. Sweet Pea. He played at the University of Memphis. Great basketball player. But I would always have to guard him. He was the one who I would guard. Well, he was a great basketball player. So we're scrimmaging in tryouts. And the day before, I didn't play very well because I was nervous. I was really nervous. And he goes, hey, his deep southern accent. Hey, man, hey, hey, I'm, 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 I'm going to let you shoot the ball, man, so you can go ahead and get going a little bit get, so you can get your confidence going. I said, okay, cool, cool. So he's acting like he's playing defense, but I know he's not going to block me. So I come down and shoot a three. And in my mind, I'm like, I got a wide open jumper. All I have to do is hit it. Nothing but net. I said, okay, we're good. I come back down, do it again. Okay, we're rolling now. And I'm thinking like, okay, Sweepy, you let me get another one. We can really get this thing going. So I go to shoot a three again, and he jumps up and he blocks me. I'm like, what are you doing, dude? I thought you were going. He's like, man, I can't let you kill me, man. I'm going to get kicked off the team if I let you. Yeah, you can't lose <laughs> your job over you getting a job. Right, right. But I, I learned a valuable lesson in that. I tell people, we're all going to need help at some point in life. We're all going to need people to um, help us as we ascend and climb our ladder, whatever it is, no matter what your job is. And I was thankful that he was willing to do that. And now that I'm where I'm at in my life, I always try to pay it forward because I remember that feeling, and I'm so thankful for it. So if I can do that for one other person here before I leave this earth, it was all worth it. Yeah. Yeah. So that's why you're on the podcast. You block my shot in the middle. <laughs> Appreciate the sweet piece. Yeah, right? <laughs> so then what was your nickname? You know, it's funny. My nickname was the first nickname I had. Oh, you had multiple. I, I had so multiple. is this like WWE type of – is that kind of what it feels it's like? It's funny you say that because – so the guy, the owner who hired me my first year, he stepped down – uh, going into my second year, and they brought in a new CEO, and he was coming from WWE. He was a marketing guy for WWE, so he wanted to make it like, like a show, like The Rock. We have nicknames, and you know, coming out and drinking beer. No, I'm just kidding. Right? But <laughs> but he he really wanted to make it like pure entertainment, and um, he was like, everybody needs to have nicknames. They need to have household nicknames. Like you had Curly and Metal Arc Lemon back in the day. Mm-hmm. So I ended up. Getting the nickname the general because of General Grant from the oh, Civil War, which yeah. I thought was interesting. But I'm like, wow, well, that was cool. But when the announcer in the games would be like the general for two, it was confusing to the fans because we were playing against the, the gen- generals. against the generals. So they did that for two years, and they were like, this just doesn't doesn't make any sense. Doesn't no. So they gave me a list of names, and they let me choose what I wanted. And some of the names were actually they were awful. Ninety nine percent of them were awful. There was one name. It was Dizzy. Yeah, I'm like this is cool. Like I can roll with that. That kids will like it. Like so that's what the name I ended up picking was Dizzy Grant. Dizzy Grant. Yeah, that's good. That fits. Yeah, I guess. Better than the general. Way better than the general. I felt like I was like militant when I had the general. Dizzy's like fun, outgoing. Like yeah. So what was you, like everybody kind of is a shtick, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So mine was like. I was known as a dribbler. You have showmen, you have dunkers, and you have dribblers. Dunkers, obviously, right? You know what they do. They catch the ball, dunk it. Showman is the guy with the microphone, the funny guy. Mm-hmm. And then you have the dribblers who were like the Robin to Batman. Showman was the Batman, and Robin was the dribblers. And I was just a sidekick. I was the, the ad-lib funny guy who would play off of the showman, who'd dribble around, slide around on the floor. That was, that was what I did. Yeah. Sweet gig. That is kind of the kid's dream, though. You get to go have fun basketball. No pressure. Yeah, yeah, but you know what, though? It's You got to think your whole life you're playing real competitive basketball. Mm-hmm. And then all of a sudden now you're like, you have to be funny. Yeah. And you have to be able to play basketball. Okay, so now that's tough. Which is like the complete opposite. It was like when I played, it was like no games. I'm out for blood. We're going to like, I'm coming to kill you. And now it's like, hey, I got to... Act like we're having fun and yay! I like flowers and and that was it was challenging and I tell people all the time that you don't realize 
like people look at the globe charts like man that looks so cool the amount of practice that you have to do because when you played basketball in college you had been preparing your whole life for that when you get on the globe trotters you hadn't been preparing at any time for it other than shooting the ball mm-hmm. and now it's like i gotta learn how to do tricks i gotta learn how to spin the ball and do all these other things and it was just i remember my first year on the team i'm like this is crazy like Put me back on the the nationals. <laughs> I'm gonna play real. I'm gonna play defense. Right, right. So that's crazy. So it's um, very similar, almost to like a Broadway show. Yeah, that's yeah. Because you're practicing to perform the same act over and over and over again, just in a different city. Exactly. Right? Yeah. No, it's definitely like our market. Our competitors were like Disney on Ice. Um, like a better word, the circus. Like those were. We weren't like. In competition with the Indiana Pacers, it was like family entertainment. That was our, our market. Yeah. And then are they still doing it? When did you retire from that side of the So world? I got done in 2014. So there's still. How long did you play? Eight years. That's yeah, I played eight time, years. Yeah, 70, 70 different countries. Wow. Yeah. I got to do a lot of. Travel the world. Travel the world, man. I've been. There's not too many places that I haven't been that I want to go. I've been. I've been a lot of places. There's a lot of places I've been to that I have no desire ever to go, and I never wanted to go there. But. Um, yeah, eight years. I got to do quite a bit. A lot of time on the road. Oh my goodness! Do you have a family? When when did all that kind of transpire? So, Is that within the globe charter? Me and my wife, we married um, my sixth year. So I went six years. It was. It didn't change until we had our first child, mm-hmm. and that would have been my sixth year toward uh, towards the end of my seventh year, and that's when it changed. It was like, I don't know if I can do this anymore. You're gone nine months out of the year. Five of those nine months, you're gone straight. So I would leave every year on Christmas morning. Oh, Christmas morning. So when everyone's coming down to open up presents, I'm pulling a suitcase downstairs. People don't realize when you travel on Christmas, I don't know if you've ever done it. The good news is there's nobody going to be on the plane with you, right? So you got all the seats to yourself. The bad news is when you get in after practice and you're done with practice at 8 p.m., there's nothing open to eat. So for eight years of my life, I ate Chinese food on Christmas night because that was the only thing that was open and you know you start christmas first game is december 26th you don't get home you don't come home until may straight different city every night eating out living in a suitcase yeah it's it's um so i say eight years i say after probably year six i realized like oh, this isn't it's time it's exhausting exhausting hard to maintain yeah 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 Jeez for sure Christ. so did you guys have a lot of rotation within the group during that same time does it you know, people kind of flowing out. Yeah, there's... A, there's Dizzy ended up being there. The, you were the old guy at some point? No, well, you know, it's funny. When I came in, I was one of six rookies. Oh, wow. And going into my second year, I was the only one left. So there's a ton of turnover. Because guys realize, like, I'm not doing this. Are you kidding me? Like, and I always say it's a young man's job. Like, yeah. you, no kids, no wife, no family. Like, absolutely. Travel, different city every night. Like, this is... kidding me? Hotel, like, this is the best thing ever. When you have a family, the dynamic changes. And guys usually only play, on average, it was three years. If you got to eight, you were a dinosaur. There was a guy on the team when I was there. He's still there. I think he's been playing 20 years now. Oh, my goodness. 20 years. And he's prehistoric. Like It's, it's unheard of. That's yeah. amazing. Yeah. Good for him. Yeah. yeah. And there's only one Globe Trotter team? Or are there so there's one... one team they break off into three units so there's 30 total players and they break off into three teams of 10 so like an east coast team west coast team and then a team that floats all around everywhere yeah interesting yeah there's a lot there's a lot to it that people have no idea like no idea i my my dream one day is to make a documentary like to show i think it would be a good documentary people have no idea like well think about it so netflix would eat that up the life of a Harlem Globetrotter? Yeah, the real life. Not like the, yay, this is like, you put your mask on, you go out there, and then when you're done, you take it off, and you're just like, exhausted. I'd like to see the life of the guy that's been doing it for 20 years. Yeah. Yeah, it's, my coach at the time, he played for 20 years, and then he coached. He was coaching. So he went straight, he was like, he's my parents' age, so he's 69 now. Oh, wow. He started playing when he was 22. He has literally done nothing else. Well, but that's kind of like, you know, basketball begets basketball. Coaching, right? I mean, like, you, it's hard to get out of that world once you've done it for 20 years. Yeah. And what the, are you supposed to do? Right. And that's 
kind of once you get you get to it, and I didn't, I never wanted to be that. I wanted to like because I realized, you know, I come from the background where my parents were like they always instilled in me you think right be a be a my mom used to always tell me she's like you gotta work on your cognitive thinking skills like she would always tell me that like so they were my mom was a professor like education think freely don't feel as though you have to be boxed in so i would be i'm like man I, there's more i can do i'm not gonna play basketball my whole life there's so much more that i have to offer this world and like i said in my sixth year when we had a family i was like okay i gotta be home like my coach he's been doing it 47 years he was like my daughter's 25 and i've never been home for her birthday Never. Her birthday was in January. He's like, I've never been home for it. Oh my goodness. So I asked myself, you know, sit down, sat down, and did an assessment of my personal life. I'm like, okay, is there more to life than this? If there is, let's start figuring out an exit strategy. What you want to do, and yeah. So did you have a plan before you hung the shoes up? I, I had it. I said it was tentative, right? I had an idea. I knew I wanted to be home, Mm -hmm. and I wanted to be around the game of basketball. If I check those two boxes, cool. In my mind, though, I thought I was going to be like coaching at Butler or the Indiana Pacers or something like that. I had no idea it would be me starting a skill development company and training little kids. I had no idea. Yeah. You you take what the world gives you and that- make lemons out of lemonade or make lemonade out of lemons. Exactly. So you met your wife um, six years in. Yeah. And you met her... At so actually, I met her two years in. Yeah. So two I met years Two in. years in. So I met her... So she was pretty ride or die. Yeah, but you know it's funny. You know she was, she was in college, so she was she was playing basketball at the University of Southern Indiana down in Evansville. So she was a basketball player, and you know she looks at it like, oh yeah, Globe Charge. She's actually from Anderson, mm-hmm. well, she's from Pendleton, but she lived in Anderson. So she was like, the Globe Charge used to always come to the wigwam in Anderson. I remember him. So she's thinking like, oh, this is the coolest thing, right? And you know, she got to kind of see on the inside. That was year two. By year four, she was like, this is crazy. <laughs> I'm not going to ask you to quit. I never would, but this is crazy. Yeah, you should stop. You're right. <laughs> what about a family? You ever thought about that? Or? Yeah. But yeah, no. So we we ended up meeting my second year. Um, she was a basketball player. I told myself I would never marry a basketball player. Why's that? Because I just I just always felt like no one's going to love this game more than me, and we're not even going to be able to talk about it because you don't love it as much as me. It was a twisted way of thinking. Yeah. But. Yeah, she ended up being a hooper, and actually, I remember when she came to New Jersey, uh, we went to a park, and we played horse, and it was like, it's like that movie, Love and Basketball. <laughs> it was like, wow. Oh, this is it. And she can shoot. This is freaking <laughs> awesome. You also had that um, on your piece of paper that you said when you were 10 years old, I want to be a professional <laughs> basketball player. Yeah, right? <laughs> I want to have that moment. <laughs> now I'm just like, man, what if we have kids? They're going to be so good at basketball. <laughs> right? Yeah. Yeah. That's the best way to look at it. So then, um, finally hang the shoes up. You were already living in India. I was living in India. Yeah, we were in Fishers. I've been living here uh, about four years, three years. Yeah. Okay, so we start our own training program. Yeah. Fall into that? or Fell, fell into it. I was at, um, the year before I, I, I got done playing, I was at a LA Fitness in Fishers, and a guy randomly walked up to me and said, hey, I hear you play for the Globetrotters. Will you train my kids? I'm like... I remember it was like a fork in the road. I can either go left or go right. I can say yes or say no. Red pill, blue pill, which one? And I'm like, okay. Blue pill. <laughs> right. So I went ahead and uh, trained his two boys at a park. Then his two boys told their friends and their friends told. And then like 11 months later, I had 350 kids. In 11 months? 11 months. It was nuts. It was crazy. It was to the point where it almost suffocated me because it was so many so fast. How do you do that? I was in the gym. Like when summer hit, so I got started in June of 2014. In July, in June of 2015, I was in the gym. And I'm not exaggerating. I would get to the gym at 8 in the morning. I would start with my first workout. And I would go 8 o'clock, 9 o'clock, 10 o'clock, straight all the way. My last workout would finish at 5 o'clock. I wouldn't eat. I would do this five days a week three months are you teaching the kids the same things over and over and over again fundamental fundamentals Fundamentals, and then i I had it like i had a system so i would do like first four or five hours would be just individual workouts and that was tailored to whatever that specific player needed and then it would i do group workouts fundamentals competition-based drills um stuff like that so i had gotten it down to a system where 
I remember I had those two kids at the park, and it was 90-something degrees. I'd be sweating, chasing down rebounds. And like a year later now, I got 10 kids like in a workout. Every hour on the Every hour. Every hour on the hour. Like it was just – and then it, I was fortunate. I ended up being in a pre- premier location. That That's why it grew so fast. Like if you're in a facility where there's tournaments going on and you're the only trainer in there, I mean – Foot travel, you're gonna have 400,000 people go through in a year. Mm-hmm. You can get 300 of those kids, so mm-hmm. that's and how it's a basketball state, too. Man, I've never seen anything like it. I've been all over, I've lived everywhere. I tell people all the time, Indiana literally is like basketball is a religion here. I've never seen anything like it. Yeah, it's yeah. crazy. Yeah, as a wrestler, I think it's crazy. <laughs> it, it's, it's a crazy world here. Yeah, no, for sure. And you know, working with players and seeing different talent across the country indiana produces some of the most fundamentally skilled players there are now i'm not saying they're the best players but in terms of fundamentals mm-hmm. like my son's eight years old and he's already like he knows what help defense is and he knows what like stuff that i didn't figure out till i was like 13 or 14 years old mm-hmm. yeah also think about how much technology's changed for oh. those kids to have that information right you see the dribble school have you seen that? Where they hit the button yeah. it's in the air? Right. It's coming from a phone. It's crazy. Yeah. Good for that guy who invented that app. Who Man. needs 350 kids in a gym if I can do that? Right. Right. Yeah. It's it's definitely crazy. But, I mean, this is what you want, I think, as a human being, right? You want to continue to evolve. You want to continue to grow. You don't want to be in the same place you were last year. So if my son's doing the same things I was doing 20 years ago, how much better is, than me is he going to be? I want him to be 10 times better than me. So it's good to see that the game is evolving. Absolutely. The no. world's evolving. So sure. 11 months, you grow to 350 kids, and then what? Um, I kind of, I don't want to say I capped out, but I I, real, like I had checked every box. I wrote down a list of goals that I had, and I started checking every box, and it's like, now what? So I had a player that I was working with. I met him after his junior year. His name is Kyle Guy. His, my goal with him, first my goal was to get Division One player. Well, that happened. Then it was like, I want to get a Mr. Basketball so, or Miss Basketball. Mm-hmm. So I started working with Kyle, and I realized, I'm like, this kid could be really special. So we just worked at it, whatever. He ended up winning Mr. Basketball. Then it was like, okay, like, I've done everything. Maybe I go to college and get a college job. So I started applying and reaching out to contacts that I had to try and get a college job. Didn't work out. And then I start saying to myself, like, what is it? There's got to be something. So I ended up started. I started coaching high school. I started coaching high school basketball at Cecina Memorial High School, and before I know it, coaching basically full time. And uh, the coach at that time I was coaching with, mega wealthy, right? Mm-hmm. Made his money shady, but anyway. But he he um, he asked me. He's like, "Hey, let's move down to Florida and we'll coach down there." I'm like, "High school." <laughs> Oh, move to Florida to coach high school? Well, he's, you know, he's telling me, I'll pay you this much. We'll do that. I'm like, oh, shoot, all right. Say no more. I'll be down there. So, you know, my wife, she grew up in Pendleton and Anderson. One thing I found about people in Indiana, rarely do they leave. It's true. So that was a tough conversation that she and I had to have with her parents. Couldn't understand. Now, me, I moved everywhere all the time. She couldn't, her family couldn't comprehend or couldn't grasp why, but they ended up understanding we ended up moving down there and it ended up being a freaking nightmare man ended up going downhill quick and uh we were down in naples florida i don't know if you've ever been in naples florida but it's ritzy uh, florida ritzy too ritzy for my blood it was i had never been there i didn't know what it was i get down there i'm like oh there's a ferrari oh there's a rolls royce like it just wasn't something if i would have get like hey you want to go here i don't care how much money like that's just not yeah how i am so um but we learned a lot when we were down there. Yeah. A lot. A lot about ourselves. A lot about our dynamic as a family, for sure. Things change quick? Quick. I mean, you go down there with one intention, expectation, and then before you know it, it's like, we got to get out of here. Yeah. Bad situation. Uh, bad situation. Like, fraud. I mean, anytime somebody steals a car from you, <laughs> purposely ruins your credit, like, it's usually, it usually won't end up well for you. Yeah. So we just we, it's crazy how life works too. We we moved down there in June of 2018, and we moved back in June of 2019. Exactly one year to the day. To the day. To the day, and it was not planned. 
It was not planned. It was literally my father-in-law flew down on a Friday, helped me pack up the house on Saturday, Sunday. We left on Monday. So it wasn't like, hey, we'll move here at the end. No, it was like in the middle of the night, we're out of here. Starting back over. Starting back over. Wounded, right? Licking wounds. But the, I, what I've learned is, right, when there's resistance, this is where the strength is being built, muscles being developed. And you, it only hurts because you're sore right now. Let it, let it heal. And then you'll see, like, yo, I'm stronger than I was before. This is, and now you're saying thank you. Like, I'm, I'm grateful for Florida. Grateful for. If I, if I don't go to Florida, me and you aren't sitting here talking. True. Yeah, so. I wouldn't have this piece of paper in front of me. Exactly. Which, Florida will be a movie. Florida Absolutely. should be a movie because yeah. I want to know more about the story. Yeah, and we'll get to that. Yeah, we'll oh, get sure. to that all fair. <laughs> but so Florida happens, you are licking your wounds, coming home. Yeah, come back to Pendleton. Or Fishers. We moved back to Fishers. Um, this was in 2019. Um, our life was kind of shaken up, right? So I, I had this successful training business that I just left, right? And I moved back. I'm like, okay, well maybe I've only been gone a year. I can still. Grab some more clients. So I grabbed some. I was able to still, but not quite like what I was. And then I didn't have a facility like I did. Mm-hmm. And while I was down in Florida, when things got bad, like I was in such a bad place emotionally. I just, I knew how it felt for the first time to feel like down and out. I never felt that before. And my coping mechanism was to help people and speak encouragement. So I used to travel around to schools and speak at schools in Florida I only did it for like a month, but that was like the segue into me like getting started into speaking. And when I moved back, I'm like, you know what I'm gonna do? I'm gonna put training on the shelf, and I'm gonna get into um, speaking full time. And it started off really slow, right? And I think when I, when I came to First Merchants Bank when we met, it was that was like the be- very very beginning. There was a lot of gigs I had to do like for free. Like there was, yeah, I just got to get my name out. There. I didn't care. But you, guys, you also need to practice. I need to practice, right? I need to sharpen my teeth on something. Mm-hmm. But people don't realize, like, this was something I, I sell my soul, but I, I invested everything. Like, I put training on it. Like, this was the source of income to go do something that's not making you anything. And this is part of the sacrifice that I learned my dad taught me. He's like, you, if you want something, you're going to have to give something up. And I realized, like, I can't do both. I can't, like, put my all into basketball. I can't put my all into speaking. So I just said, you know what? Forget about it basketball always be there and i just went and went went all in and it's morphed it's transformed from speaking i still do speaking but it's now like coaching because i'm coaching when i'm speaking but if i can i can help you more if i do it on an individual level and even when i train when i'm working with kyle or a guy in the nba or whoever i'm working with the drills are cool but it's this connection that i'm able to help you with life this is what i enjoyed the most so well that's the number one thing about being a coach is it's it's part physical but it's mostly this part right the purpose side right why do we play the game of basketball exactly exactly and the ones that take the most out of your coaching that's what they take it's not yeah. just the physical side and i didn't realize it my wife was like you'd come home and you wouldn't talk about like how great the workout was you'd be like hey like i got to help so and so like with this who's struggling with this in life and i was like wow you're right and it's funny i didn't never i never thought like I knew I would be a coach, but I didn't think I thought I'd be a basketball coach. I didn't think it would be this. Mm-hmm. But I'm thankful. I love it. Like this is why I'm here. This is you talk about purpose. This is why I was put here. Absolutely. This is why I was put here. I I, I love it. And you're really doggone good at it. Oh, well, I saw you thanks. speak um, on Ovid's live stream. Oh weekend. yeah, 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 yeah. It was very good. Oh, very thank good. you. So is that speaking or is that preaching or is that yeah? You're trying to figure out where you fit in. Get in front of people and telling your journey. I, I would say like, man, man puts labels on things. I'm just doing what I do. There you go. So the label put, put that on a t-shirt. <laughs> the label's going to be whatever you, however you perceive it. So some say, oh, he was preaching. Some say, oh, he was speaking. Some people, oh, he was coaching. Like, I just say I was just doing what I was called. I was just the messenger. I was just doing what I was called to do, and that's it. So, absolutely, whatever you want to call it, that's fine. Well, good. Well, then that's what we'll call it. <laughs> call it nothing and let people make their own interpretations. Yeah. So then let's kind of talk about what you're doing with the uh, DerekGrantsResults.com. Yeah. By the way, cool, awesome website. Oh, thank you. I was you. going through it. The videos just kept popping up as I went to each tab. Oh, thank you. No, that was – I took some time to actually learn how to do it. 
So did I, you make that website? I made, yeah, yeah, I did that. Dude, that's great. I, I have this, I don't say phobia, but something that I cannot stand is when I feel as though I have to depend on someone. So with my last website with Derek Grant Basketball, I hired someone to do it. Mm-hmm. Well, I'd have to like contact them and say, hey, can you do this? Can you do that? And I need it now. And they wouldn't do it. And, and so I'm like, you know what? Next time I'm going to just do it myself. So I just... Figured it out. I'm not. I would say very good. Uh, thank you. I'm not. I'm not the smartest guy, but I'm also not the dumbest. So if you give me time, I'll figure it out. So, so I'm right in the middle. <laughs> right. Right. So um, yeah, this is Derek Grant results. It's kind of a play on words because we always focus on the result in life, the product. But it's meant. I help you with the process, the journey, because that's what determines the result. So when I say Derek Grant results, really what I'm I should have like Derek Grant's journey or something like that because this is what we're actually focusing on. But you're gonna everybody's gonna give attention to the results. So I mm-hmm. now I do um, micro coaching, um, I do um, life coaching like long term corporate. I got NFL, NBA client like stay at home moms. I'm here to help people. Period. Absolutely. Yeah, just people. I don't care what you do or where you're from or what you look like, what you believe in. I'm just here to help. Any way I can. Yeah. So um, you also wrote a book. I did. Yes, I did. 100-Day Devotional. 100-Day Devotional. Yeah, it's called Results, right? Mm-hmm. Um, I wrote that. People don't know that. When I wrote that, I was in the lowest place of my life. As a way to cope, I would just sit and write on my phone. Because at the time, we were living in Florida, going through the situation. A kid that I was mentoring um, here in Indiana, we had moved and now he's sitting in prison because his mom said he got involved with the wrong people. And I'm like, man, if I had been here, what would have, like, I was really angry at myself. I'm like, man, this this would have never happened if I was there. And I told myself, I got to do more. I got to do more. I got to do something so my voice will still be there, even if physically I'm not there. So I just started writing my phone, and it ended up being this 100-day devotional. It was never something I planned on doing. I never, I'm like, yeah, I'm going to write this. It just happened, and... No, now I mean, it's. I say it's for athletes. It's, it's called results and athletes devotional, but it's for anybody because I'm just giving real life examples, like how I got through things through this devotional. So it's for anybody. It's a good book. They can buy it on your website, DerekGrantResults.com. Yes. Um, it's also available on Amazon. I saw. Yes. Yep. You can get it off Amazon and BarnesandNoble.com. Oh, really? Yeah. yeah. That came out before you started really into the coaching side? Yeah, I was on the speaking side of it, um, really doing Derek Grant Speaks and really working on that. And then um, the good thing about a book is it never goes anywhere. Yeah. Like everybody wants to be, I want to be a New York Times bestseller. I want to be that. I've always been in it for the long game. Like if it, if it doesn't sell the first year, it's okay. It's not going anywhere. Yeah. Eventually, your art's worth more when you're going anyways. Right. Exactly. Right. But I also realized too, you know, I'm not done. I'm just getting started on my journey. Mm-hmm. I'm really, I know where I'm going to go. I know where I'm going to end up. I just got to wait for the world to catch up. And then everybody's, oh my gosh, I got to get this book. Yeah, that book came out five years ago, guys. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so. So let's talk about the power of mindset, mm-hmm. um, purpose specifically. So you're a pretty big proponent in purpose. Sure. And trying to help people find their purpose. Right. It's a hard thing. Sure. Because everybody's, you know, stuck, lost in the rat race or whatever it is. It's hard to take the time. Right. So what's some of the biggest, you know, steps? So if I look at these phases, there's six six phases yeah, that yeah, you yeah. have yep. that you use to help people find their their purpose, their focus. Yeah. So kind of talk about discovery. That's phase one. Yeah. So discovery is figuring out what you are, right? What you are, who you are, but more importantly, figuring out who you're not. Something I've, I've learned just from seeing, and it was my life too. I had to do some deep work, self-reflection with myself. We, I put the word discovery because we don't, we, we say the word discover all the time, discovery, but we don't really ever really know what it means. This is Latin for take away. Cover means to hide something that already exists. So we're discovering what you are. What you are actually exists, but the problem is it's been covered up. And you've covered it up with your money, with your um, occupation with your house with your, you think you are all of these things but you're none of these things i tell people all the time i ask them like what are you who are you and they're like oh i'm a mom and you know, i'm a wife and i'm like okay well what if your kids pass away are you still their mom no well, what if your husband leaves you are you still 
His wife, no. I say, so you're not any of these things. The moment you realize what you actually are, and you know, I don't, I don't want to sound too philosophical, but this is the reality of it. You are. There's something in you when your body stops working. I don't care what your belief system is. Most humans are led to believe like there is something after. Well, whatever that is, that's what you are. You're just using this body as a car to take it wherever it needs to go. So the problem is, though, we're perceiving animals. We think, oh, I'm my house, I'm my car, I'm my job, I'm my occupation, I'm my income. No, you're none of these things. And the moment you realize that, it's like, oh, wait, that what I actually am can never like be destroyed. So why would I ever put limits on myself here in this world? And I, I do this all the time. It, it's happened in my life. It's like light bulb goes off. It's like, oh, shh. I can't believe it. There's nothing I can't do. So long as I discover what I am. So that's that's phase one. That's when you got out of the basketball. I am not basketball. Exactly. I am not a coach. Right. What am I? Exactly. Exactly. Golly. Yeah, and it's a it's a crazy thing. So I have been through the, the coaching with you. I did your yes. first micro coaching. Yeah. And I will honestly say that to anybody that's looking to get into it, it's worth anything and everything. It's it's a it's beautiful to know who you are, why you are and Try to figure it out because you're never going to know right? unless you do it every day. Exactly. It, you know, I tell people, you must unlearn what you have learned. You have learned and been taught that I'm my race, I'm my gender, I'm my political affiliation, I'm my status. Whatever. These are what we think we truly are, and you're none of these things. And this is what creates suffering because you think you're something that you're not. And then when you lose that thing, you feel like you died. But life is actually within figuring out truly exactly what you are. I always just tell people to make it simple. You're a spirit having a human experience. That's what you are, period. And when you realize that, now it's like, oh my gosh, I don't have to really worry about anything. Like I can have peace. And now because you have peace, your state of mind will enable you to be able to accomplish whatever you want. It's really, it's a paradoxical effect. It's crazy how, how it works. But if you can comprehend this, Life just becomes like, like, dude, why am I ever stressed out? What am I ever worried about? I have nothing to be worried about ever. Ever. Yeah. It's it's a freeing feeling. Yes. Yes. We were meant to be free. We weren't. This is like, the only person that locks you up is yourself. I'm telling you, man. And I'm trying to like preach this and like, dude, any limitations you have, they were self-inflicted. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah, I some. think that was the biggest takeaway I had from the whole thing. It's, it's, and that's the reason I wanted you on. And it wasn't even, you know, a year and a half ago I wanted you on. Sure. And now it's happening, and you know, I know this whole different side of you because of the the coaching program. Very thankful. It's, it's a freeing feeling. Yeah. There, nothing bad can ever happen to you. No. And Not if you don't think it will. Yeah, and you realize like, maybe the external circumstances haven't changed, but your life is just one big experience that's measured by feelings. That's it. It's the only reason why we like going on vacation because of the feeling. That's why we like to eat food that's not good for us. It's the feeling, right? This is how you measure your life by feelings. Well, feelings are spurred by thoughts. Thoughts are constructed in the mind. So I realize like, yo, I feel bad. I feel like crap. I feel like life sucks because I think life sucks. I think I'm down and out. I think, well, if I can control my thoughts, I can control how I feel. And because I'm controlling how I feel... I'm controlling, I'm changing the way I behave, and that's what dictates your life. So if you can control your thoughts and your mind, dude, like, life will be the best thing ever because you've made it a choice. This is why we we'll always have a choice. We've been taught that we don't have a choice. It's your, I told my son the other day, he's eight years old, right? He threw this huge fit before he went to school because my wife was going to do a read-along with my daughter's class via Zoom, and he was mad because when he was in first grade, they didn't do, she didn't do this with him. <laughs> and I looked at him, I go, and I have these conversations with him all the time. I'm like, buddy, are you are you really making this choice to feel like this right now? And it clicked. He was like, wow, I am making this choice. Like, you're doing this. No one else is doing this. You're doing this right now. And I just want to tell people and encourage people, you will always have a choice how you feel, so long as you can control how you think. Wow. <laughs> yeah, this is... It, it's it's just such an enlightening feeling, and I think it's something that so many people don't take the time to even. Yeah, it's sad. We we've, we've been programmed not to think, do, act. Yeah. Be. Oh, yeah. It's 
I saw a bumper sticker just the other day. Someone said it was crazy. I, I wish I had it. It said um, coexist. One of the bumper stick. One of them had that, but below it, it said "think freely" and it had in parentheses before it's illegal. It's true. Yeah, yeah. That's why we have a mind. That's why other creatures don't have the higher. They don't have a level of consciousness that human beings do. That's why we have it. So you can create whatever you want through your thoughts. And now you can create to others. Now you can spread yes. the message. Exactly. Spread the word. Exactly. Let other people think the way you think. Right. Or the way they should be. Thinking. The way they should be thinking. Yeah. Yeah. Think Not the, how you think. No, no, no. Never. Don't think how I think. I want you to think the way you think. And if I think about it like this, if I think the way I think, and I reach my full potential. And I live out my purpose and my gifts, and you do that, and then she does that, and then he does that. Think about how fruitful this world will be. You're doing what you love, and what you're doing is serving other people, and then she's doing the same thing. You're... It is the it would be the most beautiful thing in the world. Utopia. Utopia. And we think it's not. It can't happen. No, it can happen so long as you can unplug from the matrix. But I'm not going to get into that. <laughs> well, yeah. No. It's um, the power of the mind. That's it. It's, it. it's everything. It's everything. It is literally everything. Look at this beautiful studio you have here. This started somebody. This was an idea that somebody had, right? It's a thought. Where did it start? In the mind. There's nothing in this world that has never started in the mind. The clothes you got, the haircut. It started with a thought. Everything. And when you realize that, oh snap! This is the most powerful thing there is because everything is created through this. Why would I not spend all my energy in cultivating this? We always say mindset, mindset. You gotta have right. People say we don't even know what the hell mindset is. If, yeah. If you knew what it was, you really literally would only focus on that because it creates everything else. Yeah. Now, how do you take that mindset and make it tangible? Well, number one, you got to be able to control your thoughts, right? So here's what I've learned. I've stumbled into it. Um, meditation, mindfulness, journaling, being present. The more you do this, the less your thoughts are running rampant. You're controlling this thing. Imagine like a dog on a leash, right? When you're not doing these things, it's just a dog with no leash. So you have no control over it. dog goes where it wants. Your thoughts go where they want, and then we act on them. But when you start to meditate, when you can practice stillness, focusing, concentrating on unconscious behavior like breathing or blink or something like that, it'd be like grabbing that dog with a leash and holding onto it. Now you control where the dog goes. So if I understand that all of my thoughts create everything, I can ch choose what thoughts to have as opposed to reacting with a thought to the situation. People say, oh, my job sucks. Well, they think because their job sucks, now they have, then they have bad thoughts. It's the other way around. You think it sucks, and then it sucks. Thoughts will always come before actions. And I just found with me, meditation has... It's helped me immensely with. I meditate probably minimum minimum an hour a day. Oh wow! Yeah. So in, at night in the morning. I usually do it in the morning, um, so I get up at five in the morning. But I don't actually like get up and get moving till six thirty, because in the morning when you get up, your brain waves are still in that theta wave stage. So it's your thoughts aren't running everywhere. So if you meditate, it's easier to harness them. I, I meditate sometimes during the day, like and it's it's like herding cats. Like trying to keep my thoughts in line. It's <laughs> You're on to the next thing. Right. That's the rat race. That's the thing people get so stuck into. Right. How do I take an hour for myself? People feel like that's a selfish thing most of the time. No. there's a, This is what society has done. We've, we've programmed the people th for people to think, don't take care of yourself. That's the most asinine thing I've ever heard. Think about it. Why would I not take care of myself? If I love myself, if I feel peace within, I can only give you what I have on the inside. But if I feel like, oh my gosh, I'm selfish. Oh my, God. now I'm going to judge you and think you're selfish. Mm -hmm. The reality of it is, you will only treat somebody however you treat yourself. It's okay, true. you dropped the mic there, right? Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> it's the reality. You'll never treat anybody outside of how you view and treat yourself. So. Yeah, I feel like I'm in a coaching session. So, <laughs> well, no, I, I feel like I feel that way sometimes. Yeah. And I practice, practice, practice. You know, I try to journal. It's easy to lose track of it. Sure. But journaling's made my life a heck of a lot easier. It's I, the time I do have for myself. I, I've noticed, I noticed a change in you when we were working together. Like, 
you were so much more intentional with being thankful for the small things. That is the highest form of, it's the, high, it's the best feeling, the highest vibrational feeling you can have is love and gratitude. So if you take time to be thankful for the small things, now what ends up happening is you start looking for these things throughout the day. Oh, I got shot in the leg. Yeah, but you know what? I'm thankful. At least I didn't get shot in the head. And you start finding the blessings. You start finding the silver lining in everything that you do. Yeah. Yeah. And you carry that to the next person. Yes. An enjoyable human being. That's it. Life is good. Life is great. It's a choice. Every day. Every day. Make that choice. You can make that choice. Yeah. Make that choice with uh, Derek Grant with results. It's, it's absolutely the best thing that I think I've done. Oh, thank you. Um, you're an inspirational, beautiful human being. Thank you, man. I hate to cut you short, but an hour and five minutes, I know that you've got somewhere to be. The last 25 minutes of this, I think, can help a lot of people if they just take the time. Yeah. Um, are you taking any more micro sessions right now? I am. I will do um, – I'm actually going to do a two-week course here because um, I, I, I still do I do three-month um, mm-hmm. coaching. I also have an online course that it already started. It's a three-week, 21-day course that um, I will start again here probably the middle of April. And then also in the middle of April, I will do uh, my two-week micro-coaching. So basically, the two-week micro-coaching condenses the three months into two weeks. And yeah. It's an awesome experience. Oh, well, thank you. I I truly enjoyed working with you, man. It was a pleasure. Yeah. yeah. Get ready for another one. (laughs) I'm sure sure I'll jump back into it. So, Derek, thank you so much. Um, If people wanted to get a hold of you, they wanted to reach out, they wanted to sign up, get on your email list. Even just the emails are, like, very helpful. They're motivational. They make you feel good inside. They help with your day. Um, You've got your own podcast. Yes, you can check me out um, on Apple, Spotify. It's called The Pathway to Your Results. And... There's results again, right? It's basically, I just talk about how this journey that we call life, that it's never really a straight line, and that's okay. And I have different guests on, which, by the way, I am going to have you on because I like to tap into different industries. So I we're, appreciate that. we're definitely going to do it. Well, that makes me feel good about myself for a second. <laughs> um, so then also your Instagram and YouTube. You do the walk and talk, that sort of stuff. Yeah, yeah. So... I need to I need to update my YouTube. I'm a little behind on that. That'll be here after spring break. Uh, it's okay. And then Derek Grant Results, D E R I C K. Derek Grant Results. Um, it's my Instagram. It's my Facebook. It's my website. DerekGrantResults.me. M E. That's my website. I love check me out. I love to help. This is why I'm here. Period. Yeah. I'm. This is why my existence here on this earth is taking place to help people. Well, we appreciate it. Um, everybody go follow you online. Make sure that you have a little bit of Derek in your life because it's helped me a bunch. Oh, well, thanks, man. Thanks, thanks for having brother. me on. I appreciate it. Yep. Hey, guys. Thank you again so much for your love and support of the Performance Group podcast. For more information on the podcast, the Performance Group, or even our guests, feel free to reach out directly via our website, performancegroupindiana.com, or feel free to email me directly which is Sean at performancegroupindiana.com. We'll see you guys next week.